the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KPDQ Portland, a service of Salem Media Group. Listen online at truetalk800.com. Happy Monday, friends, and welcome to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and I am truly privileged to be the Director of Local Ministries here at True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, 104.1 The Fish, Talk 1640, and 93.1 L Ray. And when I think to myself about how many incredibly talented and gifted people who far surpass my talents aren't working right now, I'm especially thankful for the opportunities and privileges that God has given me. One of them is to be an adjunct professor over at Corbin University, and I want to share about a wonderful free concert coming to town in Salem this Thursday, April 6th from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., featuring Braille of Beautiful Eulogy. Alongside producer Cortland Urbano and Odd Thomas, you might remember Braille as part of Beautiful Eulogy. He also rocked us at Fish Fest Northwest last year. So welcome, Brian Braille Winchester. How are you today, sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, I want to thank you, first of all, for just sharing in this busy week of yours about this upcoming concert. And you really brought it down at Fish Fest last year. It was such a privilege to have you pinch it for Andy Minio at the last minute. It's a great testimony. Would you like to share any of that story? Yeah, I mean, um, the the short of it is he was scheduled. He was in town in Portland. He was scheduled to perform for Fish Fest. And his good friend, which was also a good friend of mine, uh, DJ official Nelson Chu, had passed away, and the funeral was taking place that weekend. I was unable to travel to attend the funeral because I was already scheduled to preach for our congregation that Sunday. But uh, Andy had to cancel his performance in order to attend the funeral. So I got a call, I don't know, maybe like two days before the event um, to fill in for him which I had done Fish Fest maybe like five or six years prior, but hadn't done it recently. So the timing worked out. It was a very hot day, like crazy hot. Uh, but we, uh, we all uh, braved the weather, went out there, and, and uh, had a great time. So how did the sermon go the next day for you? I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it, if I remember right, it was a crazy scenario where I ended up being so tired by the time I got back from Fish Fest that I got some rest, set my alarm for quite early that morning <laughs> for the Lord's Day, woke up and then kind of refined my manuscript, what I would have normally done on a Saturday. So yeah, I think I think it went I think it went all right. <laughs> well, we can't thank you enough for coming out. And I met a lot of people at the KPDQ tent who were coming out specifically to see Andy Menio. However, thanks to you and your entourage, just bringing an incredible show to Fish Fest, no one left disappointed. So we can never thank you enough for that. And in case you weren't familiar with it, friends, Brian Braille Winchester is also a pastor at Trinity Church of Portland. So how long have you been a pastor, Brian? 
I would say maybe like two and a half months. <laughs> so uh, it's a it's a recent role. The way things work in our congregation generally, our main preaching teaching pastor is Artazerdia, and for the eldership, typically a man will join with the elders for about a year, make sure that the chemistry is well between the eldership, and uh, and then bring that man before the congregation for a final affirmation. So I've been functioning in an elder-like role for about a year and a half, but uh, we made it official after the snowstorms. Well, congratulations as you transition into this new role of yours as a pastor at Trinity Church of Portland. They meet at Johnson Chapel at 5511 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, and that would be 10 a.m. Sundays. Is that correct, Braille? Yeah, 10 10 a.m. on Sundays. So make sure that you check the church out. So would you prefer being referred to as Braille, your rapper name, or Brian, your given name, or Pastor Brian, your title? (laughs) What's your preference? Yeah, Brian is absolutely fine. I mean, I respond to Brian or Braille. Either one is entirely fine. Well, it's good to have you aboard here, Brian. So I actually saw you live for the first time. I don't know if you remember this, but you had long hair back then, and it was in Battleground at a skate park at an evangelistic event called Truth Skate. Do you remember that? I do a little bit. Is this the one where I would have had my daughter with me? It is, because I thought to myself, well, here's this really cool rapper guy, and he's not too brave or hip to bring his daughter alongside with him. She was, I'm going to take a guess, maybe toddler age at that point, two-ish, three-ish, am I guess? Yeah, I want to say, right? say for that particular event that she was two, because um, she would have just sat on a chair with a pacifier. By the time she was about three, she used to kind of stand up and uh, <laughs> get a little more involved. But uh, yeah, at that time, I remember she stayed just kind of sitting on a chair or sitting on a, a stool, and she was probably probably two years old at the time. What a neat thing. So does she have any of your musical stylings and talents? Oh, she has uh, way more talent than me. I don't know about what she does if she's going to rap. I doubt that. But she plays the piano right now, so she's been taking lessons for that. But more than that, she's really, really gifted with drawing. And so she draws pictures, paints, writes stories. She's kind of artistic in character development which she likes to do through drawing, but then also writing stories about those characters, things like that. She wants to do animation later on in life. That's kind of one of her one of her aspirations, at least now as a 10-year-old. How neat and creative an outlet she has, just like you have with your rap and with your being a pastor over at Trinity Church of Portland. So let's backtrack a little. Brian Braille Winchester, where did you grow up? I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. And how was it for you? Do, you? do you enjoy the whole Portlandia scene? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I would say I've spent 90% of my life living in Portland. So kind of the idea, I enjoy when I spend time in other places. I've, I lived in New Jersey for two years. I've lived in Washington, D.C. for six months. And I probably lived in the L.A. area for about a year. I enjoy being in other places, uh, but there definitely is a familiarity uh, to Portland. So right now I would say the my love for the church first and foremost uh, keeps me in Portland, but then I would say secondly, uh, my love for the city in general keeps me in the city. Um, and yes, just kind of where my family, we've planted our roots, you know? So I think I, I recognize the differences between Portland and other places more now. It was just a given growing up. 
So um, I've never really been super bothered by the rain. Transplants uh, who come here, it tends to bother them. I'm pretty used to it. So the rain doesn't really bother me. I like how, how green it is and definitely notice when I'm places that are not as green. Um, but overall, it's just home, you know. That's just kind of what it is. It's, it's home. We lived in a lot of different neighborhoods growing up because my parents were uh, split from each other. So my dad would be living in one neighborhood. My mom would be living in another neighborhood. One of them would move to another neighborhood. So I kind of got a little tour of the tour of the city growing up. At a young age. Any siblings? One brother, 11 months younger. And are you fairly close? We're pretty close, yeah. We kept, we, uh, he, they live in closer to Eugene, so um, Harrisburg, actually. So, yeah, we see each other on occasion. You, you know, I, I'm not able to make a trek over to uh, Harrisburg super frequently, but since my mom lives here in Portland, sometimes my brother and his family will make a trip here to visit my mom, and we get to see each other as well. I didn't really realize it till I moved here almost nine years ago. We have my wife's brother and his family live across from Salem from us. And as a result of that, our kids are relatively the same ages and they're best of friends. In fact, I'm elated that my Hannah and her cousin Joanna will be attending George Fox University as freshmen this fall. So we're just tickled about how close the cousins can be. So does your brother have any kids, Brian? Yeah, same, pretty real similar in age. Now, all our kids are, are younger. I, I have a 10-year-old, but other than that, my other kids are younger, four and two. And so they, there's kind of cousins that are around the same age, like a two-year-old that's close to the two-year-old, maybe a, I think a five-year-old to my uh, four-year-old, and then like a nine-year-old to my 10-year-old. So they're close in age. Um, but, uh, yeah, they get, a, they get a hangout. They always enjoy hanging out. Uh, they get together a few times every year. Obviously, we don't live across the street from each other or anything like that, so we don't see each other uh, that frequently, but they always have a blast together. It's nice that they can do that. I'm speaking with Brian Braille Winchester of Beautiful Eulogy with producer Cortland Urbano and Odd Thomas, in addition to being the rapper Braille. So how has the transition been for you, Brian, going from more of a solo artist to more of a collaborative one? Yeah, the timing, so Humble Beast, the the record label that we're all a part of, which is, it's, it's essentially a, a, a ministry kind of camouflaged as a record label. We Putting out records is a part of what we do. But when Humble Beast started publicly, I want to say in 2010, Thomas and I were both solo artists as well as kind of overseeing the label, as well as both members at Trinity Church. And we found that our life was intersecting in so many ways, and to kind of be traveling separately and doing things separately, it would just be better if we could combine our efforts. And so around towards the end of 2011 is when we first started doing that. And once we did that, we kind of experienced so much freedom and so much fruit in kind of Re, rebranding ourselves from our years as, you know, underground rappers in our 20s to now wanting to uh, maybe just approach things a little differently. Kind of one of the big shifts that we had with Beautiful Eulogy was making music that was primarily focused on um, making uh, theology 
trying to clearly communicate uh, a theology that is biblical in the content of the songs, but to the aim of doxology, to the aim of the praise of God. And so it gave us an opportunity to make a stylistic adjustment and approach based on where we were at in our life. So I've always intended for the songs that I write to come from, to be an authentic expression from my Christian life. Uh, The Lord was was kind to save me and my teens, but I tended to write things that were more personal reflections on my life um, as a man attempting to walk in faithfulness to Jesus as to where the transition with Beautiful Eulogy was. There's still the component of self-expression, but there became a lot more clear component of gospel declaration, and um, not just about me wanting to be faithful to Jesus, but really just about the faithfulness of Jesus, declaring His praises more explicitly. And that's been a joy. That's been a joy. We we experienced, as I mentioned, a lot of creative freedom as a group to kind of say, what do we want to sound like? What should this sound like? What's the right emotion for what we're trying to convey? And that was really enjoyable. We're speaking with Brian Braille Winchester, and when we return, more about the man in addition to his music and about the transition to Trinity Church of Portland. And if you go to truetalk800.com, on the Difference Makers page, you'll find all these links about this Thursday's concert at Corbin University. More with Brian Braille Winchester next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and we know him as the rapper Braille. But Brian Winchester is also an artist and mix engineer at Humble Beast Records, which is a ministry in stealth mode, positioning itself as a record label. He's also pastoring at Trinity Church of Portland, which meets at Johnson Chapel on Hawthorne Boulevard in Portland, Sunday mornings at 10. Make sure that you check them out, and you can find out more information on the church at trinityportland.com, humblebeast.com for the record label. And make sure to follow Brian Braille on Facebook, as well as Beautiful Eulogy. Do I have all that right, Brian? That's all sounds great. I also want to remind you about the Outer Space Hip Hop Concert coming with Braille of Beautiful Eulogy and Humble Beast Records, in addition to Corbin students, including Tim Yee, as they lyrically portray Reaching for Outer Space for Heaven this Thursday night starting at 7.30 at Corbin University in Salem. Doors open at 7 p.m. So, Brian, can you tell us about your connection with Corbin? Yeah, well, I have I actually have a, a cousin uh, who is married, Nicole, Nicole and Ben Pearson. Uh, they actually work there on the campus. So that's one of the connections is that I have some cousins who are working on the campus. But then also Beautiful, Beautiful Eulogy has performed at the campus before, and I believe that the student, Timothy V, is was involved in organizing the event and had reached out to see if it was something that I would be available to be involved in. So kind of a bunch of little connections all came together, you know, to form the form the event. It's great that you're coming back to Salem after being on stage at Fish Fest last year. So is it still a rush to you hitting the stage as an artist who is now a married dad and a pastor of a church, as opposed to when you were a teenager just starting off? It's hard to say um, in terms of the the rush. I think, like, I, I don't tend to get super nervous or, or get stage fright when it comes to to performing. It's always kind of been practice before you go up there, <laughs> you know, and then do your best. 
and I, I tend to be pretty pretty casual. Uh, I don't put I don't tend to put a whole lot of pressure on myself um, because I want to I want to actually enjoy the time with people, and that's really been like my priority at this point is just want to enjoy time with whoever ends up being present. Um, give my give the best that I can give uh, for that particular event. And then also look for opportunities to declare the gospel um, with as much clarity as possible. And really declaring the gospel tends to be the highlight for me um, at this stage in life. And I guess as that relates to, you know, all the other sections of my life, uh, declaring the gospel is the, is the climax of the show for me. And that's something, obviously, I'm not always being brought out specifically to do that. I'm being brought out to perform, so I try and do my best to uh, fulfill that side. But then if there's any way that I can make the gospel clear, which I think the message, we, we tend to assume it to be known and assume it to be a given, but I've just found that's not the case. And so uh, I think it's always beneficial um, to make the gospel very clear, which I just love doing. So who made it clear to you in the first place? Who planted seeds in the life of a young Brian Winchester before you became the rapper Braille? Yeah, well, so uh, the home I was raised in uh, was irreligious. We didn't—the first time I attended any church service was for, I believe—it wasn't a church service, but the first time I was in a church building was for a funeral. I had a friend whose mother died of cancer, and there was uh, a funeral at a church building, and I think that would have been my first time in a church building, probably around age uh, 11, 12, somewhere around there. I couldn't be for sure— but the first time I heard the gospel kind of preached to me would have been shortly after that as a teenager. I was at a basketball um, basketball court, and I started dressing quite obviously under the influence of East Coast hip-hop, and somebody kind of recognized by the clothes I was wearing things, and we had a shared affinity for hip-hop, which then led to a conversation, and eventually coming to an opportunity for that individual to talk to me about the fact that there is a God, that I'm accountable to Him, and that Jesus died on the cross, that I could be forgiven of my sins. And so um, I, I basically knew very little, but what I knew right from that moment, I couldn't really escape it. It was as if the Lord kind of grabbed a hold of my heart. Those truths were planted firm, and then this awareness of the reality that, okay, the God who created me does exist, and He is holy, and He is great, and I'm accountable to Him, and Jesus has secured my right standing before Him through His sacrificial death on the cross um, and raising from the grave. And so that 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 uh, that recognition kind of sustained me through my my teen years, although there was not a lot of discipleship taking place. Um, that uh, the the belief in the gospel didn't didn't leave from me from that time, and then it wasn't until later in my twenties that I began uh, being taught the 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 more how to read my Bible, being taught uh, the implications of the gospel, and then just understanding the gospel more holistically. Because I believe the gospel is something that is beautifully deep. We don't really grow past it; we just grow deeper into it, and uh, so that's kind of been the experience from from that moment forward. So your spiritual walk actually began because someone recognized what you were wearing and your style and just struck up a conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. That was it was just kind of a uh, 
through a common interest, um, that common interest acted as a bridge to start a conversation about the Lord. So now that you wear multiple hats, Brian, not only as a rapper and a mix engineer and artist and producer, but also as a pastor and a husband, as a father, do you find more opportunities to share your faith in performing, being on stage or at a platform, or is it simply in bumping into people, having conversations? You know, I I think it's it's kind of all of the above. I, I think uniquely as a pastor, my assumption is is that every time that I'm standing before the congregation and speaking, we always have visitors attending our services. So I feel as though corporately I'm constantly afforded opportunities to evangelize in that regard because um, I'm, again, since I don't know every individual who's attending the service, I don't know who's attending who might not know the gospel, who might not have heard the gospel. So pastoral ministry does afford me um, a lot of evangelistic opportunity during our corporate worship. Obviously, performing in, in concerts is the same thing. It affords me evangelistic opportunity because I don't know um, the current state of belief of everybody who's attending any particular event. So I have an opportunity to evangelize in that kind of way. On a, on a more private level, um, I wouldn't say that like every day I'm bumping into somebody and getting, getting to share the gospel, uh, but there are opportunities like that that come, which I tend to pray for, um, because uh, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways it's things like that that you can't really force, you know? And uh, uh, that's, that's at least been my experience, and so I, am, I, I, I look at evangelism also just as, like, my time with my kids, is evangelistic, right? I want to make the gospel clear to my children. Uh, when we're interacting with people in the school district, there are opportunities that come. And so my life intersects with different people, and I don't always get to explicitly declare the gospel, but I'm always praying for opportunities to do that very thing. Well, I believe that your everyday conversations and how you treat others, both similar to you and very different from you, speaks the love of Christ. Just as this person spoke to you when you were wearing your East Coast rapper gear, do you find at times, though, now that you're a pastor, Brian, that sometimes those of us who are regular churchgoers are so looking for the big event or outreach that we might miss what's going on right across the street from us or what's beneath our noses? Yeah, well, I've really been thinking a lot about that, even just pastorally. I think a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we think of a preacher on a corner, you know, or we think of somebody standing up in front of a crowd declaring. And while that is um, a form of evangelism that takes place, I think um, it, it can be debilitating if that's the only kind of evangelism we're aware of. So even recently, I was encouraged to um, encourage my wife that her role as a mother gives her opportunity to, for evangelism. You know, sometimes we just don't define it that way, but it's like, yeah, our kids are being raised in a Christian home, but um, we don't assume them to be immediately converted and trusting in Jesus just because they were born in a Christian home. So we declare the gospel to them, and by declare, I mean 
It can just be a matter of in conversation explaining the gospel, explaining what it means to our children. And in that scenario, my wife is evangelizing to our children and has opportunities through relationships with other parents in the school district to evangelize to them as well, to talk to them about who Jesus is. Um, and so uh, I do think we can do a, a, a disservice um, to the, the church's thinking of evangelism when we begin just relying on special events as the means of evangelism. I think it is a great opportunity of evangelism, but I think also our regular life should provide us many opportunities to intersect with those who don't know Jesus and to let them know about Jesus. And I, I do agree that our lifestyles are uh, uh, play a piece in that, that especially when people, once people know we are Christians, we should live our lives in such a way to adorn the doctrine. And yet at the same time, I don't think that the gospel is proclaimed just because I've been nice. I think that, that me being nice does give, um, give uh, a cast a favorable shadow on the message, but I think that Christ actually has to be proclaimed as the crucified Savior. And so uh, I look at those things working in harmony with one another, and definitely, if I'm on the flip side, if I'm having a bad attitude and I'm <laughs> being a jerk to people, I shouldn't expect that they're going to be eager uh, to hear of my faith. Uh, and nonetheless, God, in His goodness, despite my foolishness, could still use me, even in that scenario, because I believe the gospel is that good. Make sure to follow Brian Braille and Beautiful Eulogy on Facebook. When we return, more with Braille and about the Outer Space Hip Hop concert at Corbin University this Thursday night on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Mike Lee here, Clark Hilton across the glass. And on the phone, we have Braille, who performed wonderfully at Fish Fest Northwest last summer. And he'll be headlining the Outer Space Hip Hop Concert this Thursday night at Corbin University in Salem. More information is linked up to truetalk800.com on the Difference Makers page. So, Braille, also known as Pastor Brian Winchester, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So earlier on, we were talking about your new role as a pastor of Trinity Church of Portland, which meets 10 a.m. Sundays at Johnson Chapel on Southeast Hawthorne here in Portland. So tell us a little about Trinity Church of Portland. What can one expect to see at your church? Well, Trinity was planted in, I want to say, 2011. We began actually congregating on Sundays. Uh, pastor Artazertia and Norm Thiessen, they were the founding elders. We started meeting on Wednesdays just as an interest group and kind of grew from there. And in 2011 is when we launched and started uh, meeting on Sundays. Uh, I would say uh, uh, overall the congregation is we're about a little over 200 people. So we meet right there on Western uh, on the campus of Western Seminary. We meet in the chapel. So we use that as our meeting place, and lately, uh, aside from the members attending, we'll have a, a good number of visitors. We kind of uh, make good use of the space that we have. We can tend to, to run out of space on some Sundays, but uh, generally what our Sundays look like, we're, we're fairly liturgical in that we take our corporate worship seriously um, in how we approach worshiping God in a, in a manner that is pleasing to him according to how he is revealed um, 
uh, what's been revealed to us about worship in the scriptures. And so we use the scriptures as the basis for calling us to worship through public scripture reading. Uh, we tend to sing songs that focus uh, primarily on God, His character, and the work He's accomplished in Jesus Christ. And then we go into the go into the sermons. Uh, Art is a very, very gifted preacher. Uh, we'll t- typically preach through a particular section of Scripture. So we just finished Hebrews chapter 11. Now we're getting into some of the Psalms on the Lord's Day. And then on Wednesdays, we, uh, we're going through Song of Solomon. And then uh, we also take the Lord's Supper uh, at the end of each, at the conclusion of each service. But yeah, overall, the congregation is very joyful in their worship, which uh, we're always thankful for. And uh, you can tend to see people hanging out for a good hour or so after the service, just enjoying time together, which is also always a, a good encouragement. It seems that the congregation really loves each other uh, very well. And if somebody is visiting and they're kind of just hanging out on the outskirts, somebody's probably going to go spend time with them. So uh, we try to be very welcoming and hospitable as a congregation as well. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really thankful for the eagerness that the congregation displays to hear from God's Word, and uh, just the the joy that I see um, in our corporate worship. So throughout your years, Brian, do you feel that there's any particularly good size of a congregation that might make it more effective in some areas? For instance, if you've got a, a mega church of 20,000 people, I seriously doubt you're going to have the fellowship and interaction that you have for an hour after your services at Trinity Church of Portland. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to create hard and fast rules because I don't necessarily see hard and fast rules in the scriptures. There's definitely a, a matter of accommodating the, the particular thing. I will say, though, in some scenarios when churches are kind of uh, bent on building and building as big as it can possibly be and fitting as many people as they can and having three or four services. A lot of times I'm thinking, what about leadership development? What about church planting? Uh, because I do believe that, um, you know, we, we practice membership in our congregation, which obviously that would be for another discussion, but we believe that based on the instructions of the Scriptures, that the elders are accountable for caring for a particular flock. So I'm not everybody's pastor, right? That's not a role that I exercise with any any particular authority over just somebody else because they're a Christian. It's a role that I exercise on behalf of Trinity Church to care for those Christians specifically. And so um, I, as a leader now, know who who I'm responsible for, as well as the, the flock knows who they're accountable to, not just in the leadership, but also in being accountable to one another. So, so often when we look in the epistles, we see that the Apostle Paul wrote letters to churches, to particular congregations, um, that, and people knew whether or not they were a part of that congregation or not, then would have received the letter. And so, uh, yeah, I think that from there, I like to see... Um, uh, I mean, I've been a part of churches with a thousand with a thousand members. When I did an internship in D.C., Capitol Hill Baptist Church, it was a thousand members, and in that context, a thousand didn't seem like too much. It's how many people fit in their meeting space, and they had a sufficient leadership um, and things in place, and so it wasn't really about growing themselves as big as they could, but it was really a matter of stewarding over the increase which the Lord has provided. 
I find it as a shepherd right now, uh, you know, trying to care for 200 some people, that is, that is a, that's, that's a big group. So I couldn't imagine, you know, 2000 some people, but I think from there, each congregation has to use prudence based on the situation God has given them. But yeah, I do, I do tend to be, the way we think of it is whenever we reach capacity in our building, we're looking to church plant. So uh, that's been the approach we've taken thus far. We did do a church plant, I want to say, maybe three years ago into Selwood, and since a good 20, 25 people from our congregation went and started a new church, and then that's been growing and developing. It doesn't share the same name. It operates independent of us, um, and we've been able to just rejoice in, uh, in seeing their fruitful gospel work in another part of town happening alongside the work that the Lord has us doing. So do you get together with the Selwood campus from time to time, or are they just doing their own thing right now? We might share like a special service occasionally, but for the most part, um, it's it's two uh, completely unique congregations. We don't um, preach through the same things at the same time or, or anything like that, but we have great relationships with one another, so members of their congregation still come and visit us, and members of our congregation still go and visit them, and uh, the leadership between both congregations, you know, pray for one another and uh, spend time together when we get opportunity. Well, I love hearing about the fellowship as well as the accountability between the two campuses. So if God provides you so many people that you feel led to open up yet another church plant, are there certain areas that you would find more adaptable than others, or are there certain areas that people are coming from that you, you might say, oh, well, so many people are coming from this side of town. We, we ought to consider opening up a church plant there. Yeah, you know, we're still, we're, right now we've grown uh, quite, quite rapidly, I would say, over the last six months, and rapidly just in comparison to our size. Right now we're really looking to settle into that growth um, so that we can kind of mature and unify within that before we begin thinking about church planting from there. Obviously, the city of Portland, um, there's there's room for more gospel preaching churches. Uh, so I think the actual neighborhood and things like that, really when it came time closer, we would kind of focus in on that. I have an interest in this Cherry Park neighborhood where I'm currently living, and that's partly because it's it's where I live. Um, uh, so, but, uh, but I'm not in a, in any rush right now for something like that. Right now I'm very happy serving as one of the elders at Trinity Church. And as a musician and as a producer, do you ever find it difficult to turn off that aspect and just learn or listen or preach or worship? Or is it always in the back of your mind? Oh, we could tweak this or move that or raise this level or lower that. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll say during, uh, yeah, during corporate worship, uh, maybe there'd be one or, one or two times where I'm like, oh, we could we could maybe turn down the bass or turn up the bass or whatever, you know. But really, um, the, my goal, to tell you the truth, when I'm gathered for corporate worship is first and foremost to have my attention fixed on the Lord, and then second, to have my attention fixed on the congregation. So unless something is happening that is distracting, that might be when that part of my brain goes off, like, hey, we've got an issue. You know, if the sound system was giving really bad feedback or something, that's distracting. In terms of what's not distracting, 
I, I actually try to be very, very flexible regarding that to, to leave room for people to um, uh, utilize their gifts in the way that they're serving the congregation. And then when I'm preaching, I do tend to, I can tend towards uh, being quite critical. I mean, I take the matter seriously, so I can be, I can be critical towards myself as I learn that. But at the end of the day, I'm really trusting that if the, the truth of God's Word goes forth, then he is the one actually who is going to cause that to prosper and not my skills. Though my skills may be um, used of him, um, I'm really relying on the Holy Spirit to do the work that I can't do um, in that. So I think there's room for my creativity, things like that, to be utilized in preaching. I just would never want the creativity to overshadow the actual meaning of the text that I'm preaching. And so I try and make everything that I'm doing be subservient to that. Portland's own Brian Winchester is one of the pastors at Trinity Church of Portland, which meets at Western Seminary's Johnson Chapel. Sunday mornings at 10, make sure that you check them out, and you can find out more information on the church at trinityportland.com. That's trinityportland.com. And Brian is also known as the rapper Braille of Beautiful Eulogy, and Braille will be performing at the Outer Space Hip Hop Concert this Thursday night, starting at 7.30 in Salem at Corbin University, more information is linked up on our website at truetalk800.com when you click on the Difference Makers page. And when we return, more with Brian Braille Winchester next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Thank you so much for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and last summer at Fish Fest Northwest, I had the distinct pleasure of getting a great view of Braille who is performing on stage at Fish Fest Northwest. And you can check him out in Salem again this Thursday night for a show that's absolutely free at Corbin University's Psalm Center. Doors open at 7. The show itself is between 7.30 and 9.30. And they call it the Outer Space Hip Hop Concert. In addition to that, Braille, also known as Brian Winchester, is a pastor at Trinity Church of Portland, meeting at Western Seminary's Johnson Chapel. Their services are Sunday mornings at 10 on Hawthorne Boulevard in Portland. So, Brian, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out in your busy week to join us today. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. It's a total privilege. And before the break, you were talking about the expansion of Trinity Church of Portland and breaking off into another separate church plant. So when these things occur, is it difficult to convince people who might love where they are to prayerfully consider moving to a different location? Yeah, I think that's really, really what it boils down to is it's, a, it's, a, it's all done as a prayerful consideration. Obviously, there would never be any attempt on our end to say anybody has to move to be a part of something or anything like that. Uh, we would present that before the congregation, and typically it would be when we have surpassed capacity in our you know, current meeting place to say, okay, and also if there was uh, some leadership that was burdened for the work as well, and then we would present that leadership before the congregation to say, hey, like in the case of the Selwood Church plant we did, um, Jared Pulliam is is uh, burdened now to go do a church plant work in Selwood. We would then have an interest meeting on that that the congregation could attend both if they were interested in being a part of the church plant, but also just so they would know how they could best be praying uh, for that church plant. And then, you know, those interest meetings might carry on for six months to a year while the 
infrastructure is developed um, to launch that church plant kind of with all the things intact that need to be intact, right? Um, and so, yeah, and then we will continue as a body praying for that body um, and always think of them as a as a sister or as a brother, <laughs> you know, uh, sister church, but as uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. So, yeah, that's kind of what that looks like. Really, it's a, it's a slow process on our end. We would never do something like that quickly or in, in a rush. And in six years, we've only done one of them so far. Uh, so it's not it's not something. But we also, aside from church planting, we've also raised up men who have done pastoral training as a part of our congregation and then went on to do pastoral ministry for other congregations. So leadership development is a big part of what we do. So when we're not church planting, we have a pastoral apprenticeship that men will go through. It's about a two-year process, and we've had men who have went through that and then went on to go pastor churches in other places, a church in Beaverton. So that wasn't a church plant from us, but the senior pastor of Bethany Baptist Church, he went through our apprenticeship. There's a pastor in Kansas who used to serve as a pastor for our congregation, but then uh, got called to go do that work. So uh, there's a pastor who went through our apprentice and now is a pastor in uh, Montana, went through, went through our apprentice program. So uh, we have a lot of things um, where uh, I think our senior pastor, Art Azurdia, he's very, very burdened um, for leadership development. And so not only developing leaders to serve ourselves, but developing leaders to go serve other congregations, where we might not even benefit from that man's ministry in any um, immediate way, but in fact, we know that somebody else will get a benefit from their ministry. I love hearing about that, Brian. So it apparently is on Artaxerdia's heart among the other leaders over at Trinity Church of Portland. Do you think overall, as a church body, that we fail at things like leadership development? It seems to be a real concentration of what you're doing at Trinity Church of Portland. Yeah, I'm, when I when I look at the uh, when I when I'm reading through the the New Testament and I look at uh, Jesus grabbing his twelve, which we tend to think of just in discipleship um, terms, but we also see that there was some some leadership because other than Judas, we have the, some of the, these men went on to be the, the apostles and went on to be leaders in the church, the men who spent time with Jesus. And then from there, you think of the Apostle Paul and his relationship with Timothy or his relationship with Titus. Well, he was, he was leading but then developing other leaders and sending them to other places from, aside from the place that he was at. Um, so uh, I think it's something that we're really, we're really passionate about because we're very, very thankful. I mean, we've got, we've got uh, pastors who also work as seminary professors. We're very, very thankful for the seminaries, but we also believe that um, while seminaries can offer many great things in regards to theological education and to preparation for pastoral ministry, we also think that some of that leadership development needs to take place in the local church. We can't just send all of our people off to a school and then think that they're going to know how to integrate that back in a healthy way back into a congregation. So even our pastoral apprenticeship has often been a matter of taking students who are in the seminary, but then saying, okay, well, while you're going through the seminary, also let's have you be a part of this congregation and serve here so that you can put some of these things into practice um, and have leaders who are involved in your life who can help you to grow and develop how to do that pastorally. So... That's just something we're really, really, uh, really, really passionate about because 
when we think of when you think of church planting, you know, sometimes we think of the needs as, oh, well, we're going to need a building, or we're going to need this, or we're going to need that. But what we're also going to need is leadership, people who are um, equipped and able to handle God's word and to preach it well. Um, and uh, a lot of times, those the men who are naturally gifted in some of those ways benefit greatly from having people who have been doing it a lot longer than them pouring into them, because obviously pastors are just as prone as anyone else to make errors and make mistakes, things like that. But if you have people who are experienced in that type of ministry work, they can actually help you um, to avoid maybe even making some of the mistakes that they've made themselves. And so, yeah, we really highly regard um, that kind of leadership training um, and leadership development. I love that aspect that's so important to you and the group at Trinity Church of Portland. Brian, so before we wrap up in a couple of minutes, where'd you meet your wife? I'm curious. So I met my wife actually while we were meeting for Trinity Church through mutual, we had mutual best friends, which is pretty funny, but uh, uh, she went to college with one of my good friends, now wife. And so they were good friends in college. And then as I started, um, when when that family moved to Portland and my wife moved in Portland, I was spending a lot of time with them and I was crossing paths with my wife. And so, yeah, we basically, my, my best friend was married to her best friend and then we got married. So that's kind of how that happened. That's just perfect. Well, congratulations not only on your marriage and becoming a pastor at Trinity Church of Portland, but also, Brian, on this Thursday's performance. So if if anyone's between churches right now, would you like to send them an invite to yours? Oh, absolutely. If you're you're in Portland, Oregon, uh, and you uh, are not currently uh, at at a church and you feel like it's time uh, to begin that process again, you're welcome to join us. Um, any time that you can, and uh, no, obviously no obligation, but uh, come, come check us out, come visit with us, and uh, we pray that you'll be refreshed uh, by the preaching of the Word, refreshed by the worship, and yeah, feel free to say hi to me. I'm usually wandering around. If I'm not holding one of my kids, um, then I'm just available talking to somebody, so yeah. We know him as the rapper Braille, but Brian Winchester also is a pastor at Trinity Church of Portland, meeting at Western Seminary's Johnson Chapel, Sundays at 10 a.m. And don't forget to go to the Difference Makers page at truetalk100.com to find out more about this Thursday night's free concert. It's the Outer Space Hip Hop Concert with Braille, a beautiful eulogy, and Humble Beast Records. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, absolutely. And uh, are you going to be at the concert as well? Looking forward to seeing you there, and thank you for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.